It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? It's obviously great to be back, Bob. It's nice when you could、uh, just drive to the rink and you know where you're going.、Um, walk in the rink and see some familiar faces, and、um, I'm just super excited to be here.、Uh, super excited they're giving me this opportunity.、Um, obviously,、uh, things didn't go how I wanted in Florida, but、uh, I know I have a lot, a lot of game left in me, and I'm, I'm excited to be here and、uh, play my game and, and do whatever I can for this team. A familiar voice from the past, something that we've experienced a lot over the years on the Blackhawks beat.、Uh, that's Vinny Hinnestrosa,、uh, once in once in future Blackhawk. Uh, this is Mark Lazarus. I am joined by Scott Powers, and you are listening to the new Lazen Powers. Scott, how you doing? Good, Mark. Haircut, huh? Haircut day. I did get a haircut after not, almost nine months. I gave birth to a.、Uh, uh, it looked like a dead poodle on the ground, black and gray, <laughs> and with just these strads and curls and flips. And、uh, I'm about seven pounds lighter today. It, it, it's a good、nice. diet. <laughs> I regret it though. I feel like you know, you, you, it's so it takes so much time to grow your hair out, and then like ten minutes for it to all go away, and it's just it always feels anticlimactic. It's like when you shave a beard, my hair、like、grow a beard for like six, seven, eight weeks, and then it's just gone one day. I've never grown a beard actually.、Um, my hair also grows back a lot slower these days, which is a little disconcerting, but it's、uh, <laughs> seems becoming the,、uh, the, the reality. I know you're mad at me because I don't go to a barber because I go to freaking supercuts, but I don't really care about my hair very much. And the lady, the lady there, she's like, I told her, I'm like, all right, I want a number five buzz on the side. She goes, no. And I was like, what? She goes, like, no, your hair is beautiful. Why are you doing this? I'm like, really? Because I look like a homicidal clown. What are you talking about? And she was like, she was like genuinely mad at me for cutting my hair.、Oh, that's great. <laughs>、uh, you know what? They're into their job though. They appreciate. You know they appreciate good、she's, hair. So she literally she started like she's stroking it. She's like this is like so thick and luxurious. I'm like it's also pure white for some reason and it's not supposed to be. So let's get rid of it. <laughs> uh, Hennis Rosa being back, like I, I know some fans were questioning this and it, it, it is kind of an odd trade, but um, you know I wrote about it the other day, but yeah, I, I know it was with the way it was explained to me by a few different people. It, it seemed to make sense where it's. It's not really blocking the path on anyone. It gives them a little bit of depth. They may trade、uh, trade Yanmark. Obviously, Soderberg and Walmark aren't working out, so you know Walmark's on waivers today.、Um, yeah, I don't know. Just it feels like it. Buy- and and you, when you have like the you know the twelfth forwards been Highmore or Johnson or whomever, it really hasn't provided a whole lot. So、um, the fact that they were able to probably give up the worst prospect. Prospect in their system. It seemed like Florida was trying to do Hinnestrosa a favor, and you know the Blackhawks still wanted to you know make it one for one just to, to give them a little bit more roster flexibility. Like、um, it, it seems like it's you know like it's it, it, there's nothing to lose here. Like there's you know maybe it helps the, the Blackhawks you know depth a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean taken on its own, it's a perfectly good move. I mean you know Hinnestrosa plays the kind of fast game that the Blackhawks want to play. I mean Vinny Hinnestrosa is Brandon Hagel version one point oh. Like he was,、well, he's not quite the playmaker that Hagel is proving to be, but he plays the same way. That kind of just hair on fair, hair on fire style, where every shift he's playing it like it's his last shift. And he scored 16 goals in his first season in Arizona. He had 25 points in 50 games in his、uh, in his second full season in Chicago. I mean, there's some points to be had there. So you look at it on its own, and yeah, this is a perfectly fine move. It just becomes funny because 
this is just what Stan Bowman does. Is he goes out like it, it's like you, people are joking about like the Blackhawks have no professional scouting department because they're only watching their old players. Like, oh, <laughs> Vinny Henestrosa, we know him. I mean, I tweeted out the list the other day. These are these are former Blackhawks reacquired by Stan Bowman. Brian Campbell, Daniel Carcillo, Adam Clendenning, Vinny Henestrosa, Nikolai Habibulin, Marcus Kruger, Andrew Ladd, Jeremy Morin, Johnny Oduya, Brandon Peary, Brandon Saad, Patrick Sharp, Andrew Shaw, Chris Versky twice, and I think you could throw Michael Hansius in there uh, if you really want to get involved. That's all he kind of predates Bowman a bit, his first go-around. But, I mean, it's at some point, it's just it's just comical how the Blackhawks keep trying to make this work. And you go through that list, and how many of them really panned out? Versteeg did. He won a second cup. Uh, Saad was good on his return back, uh, his, his return engagement. And Brian Campbell was okay. Everyone else, it didn't really work out. So I'm not sure this is always the way to go. I would argue that Saad worked out, too. I'm not sure that worked out. You don't think Saad worked out? I mean, he was productive. He was fine. For, He's good. He wasn't Panarin, though. And, well, and, and well they okay. Again. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, if you take it in the larger picture, yes. Considering they basically <laughs> traded Artemi Panarin for Nikita Zadorov, okay, yes, I'll grant you that. But <laughs> it, it, he played well and was a top-line forward for them when yeah. he was back, which is more than you could say for, you know, Almost remember when Johnny Oduya came back at the trade deadline and he was just a shell of himself. And you know, it's funny because I tweeted out that list and everyone's like, bring back Nicholas Jalmerson. I'm like, are you sure you want him back? He's not what you remember he was and he's hurt a lot now. Yeah, and he's probably not what you need right now either, you know? Yeah, you don't need a 30 something defenseman right now for this team. You got enough of those. Yeah, this one, yeah, I I guess this one just, it feels different in that there's nothing to lose. Like, the other ones were. Yeah. No, it's funny. A lot of those were, were like, you know, like they were hoping that Sharp would put them over the edge. And a lot of them was like win now mode. And um, yeah, I mean, Hindestrolls, if anything, he's just such a complimentary piece. And. It was interesting. To, uh, I mean, the lines do look different. Like, we'll see what, you know, we'll see what Henestrosa has to, to give. I mean, he did struggle this year in Florida. And partly was that he didn't get a lot of ice time. And, you know, they, um, it sounded like Henestrosa had a, a handful of offers, you know, coming out of last year in Arizona. And they chose Florida because they thought it was going to be a good situation. You know, um, they knew Bill Zito and Zito was part of, um, part of the agency that, that Henestrosa is in now. And then, uh, you know, they thought Quinville had liked Hinnestrosa when he was in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, he found his way to, you know, Q's doghouse and, and never got out. And um, But uh, today that uh, Hinnestrosa played with, uh, what was it, Kurashev and uh, uh, Kubalik on a line, um, which is interesting. And then he, he bumped Hagel down to the fourth line. And, um, you know, like the, the lines get a little, it seems like a little bit more depth. I mean, we'll see if Henestrosa works out, but if he can provide a little offensive punch and, you know, I, I saw some people tweeting that, you know, they were hoping to keep Kubelik and Hagel together and, and, and that line has looked good, but it's also like, well, this is a team that still has trouble scoring. You know, like they're coming off a game where they're shut out and, uh, more often than not, they're, they're still not putting up a whole lot of goals. So they're still, you know, toward the bottom of the league in five on five scoring. So, uh, if you can bolster the, you know, the top nine a little bit and, um, you know, I thought Kershaw played pretty well at center the other day. Maybe give, give him a chance. And, um, you know, Hagel still plays, uh, you know, he, he's still going to be aggressive on the forecheck. And uh, I'm sure that you can even probably give that fourth line a little bit more, um, you know, top line assignments. Like, the, this could work out, you know. Like, it's um, – the, the lines seem a little bit, de- you know, deeper just from, I guess, on paper at least. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the cynical way to look at it is this guy couldn't even crack the Florida Panthers lineup and now he's suddenly on the second line in Chicago. It shows the gap between Chicago and Florida. But, 
you know, the change of scenery thing, it does it does work sometimes. And, you know, Colleton knows Henestrosa well. Henestrosa had, what, 22 points in 23 games in Rockford uh, under Jeremy Colleton. So he knows that he can produce. He knows what he brings in that. And, again, Jeremy Colleton is really trying to instill that work ethic, that effort, that hustle that, you know, Henestrosa kind of embodies. If you have him and Hagel, that's two, two of your lines that have little Energizer bunnies on them. You know, maybe that makes a difference. It's worth a shot. I mean, it, this could be like, you know, remember, the first, we, we, we spent training camp talking about Brandon Peary. He was in the opening day lineup. We're talking about Brandon Peary. We haven't heard from Brandon Peary since. So, I mean, this could be just as short-lived. I mean, I, they're certainly hoping that, it, that, that Henestrosa sticks. But, you know, there's no promises made here, and there's no guarantees, and, and they gave up nothing, literally nothing for him. So, you know, what's the harm of giving him a couple of games and seeing what he can do? Yeah, it's it's worth it. I mean, Perry Perry found his way into that opening roster, and, and he looked pretty good on the power play and stuff in training camp. I mean, still training camp, and Walmart looked really good in training camp too, but it, it's strange that Perry hasn't, you know, as much as they've struggled offensively, that Perry never got another look. It's kind of bounced around the taxi squad in Rockford, and yeah, he just... Uh, and Walmart was... Walmart's the other interesting one. I mean, putting him on waivers, I mean, there's a chance he gets picked up. I mean, he... He played pretty well for Carolina, and, you know, this is... The Blackhawks were certainly thinking that he was going to be a bottom six forward here, and it... Yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, it just didn't work out, and it's... I I thought in camp he was one of their best players, too. Yeah, I mean, he was the one that... Of all the the signings they made, you know, the Soderberg, Yanmark, Walmart trio, Walmark was the one everyone was excited about. I had people from Carolina telling me, oh, man, he's better than you think, and, you know, they were raving about how the time he stepped in at second-line center when they had an injury and and helped them get into the playoffs a couple years ago, and he's been a complete non-entity with this team. And sometimes that's just the way it goes. Sometimes a guy doesn't fit. Sometimes he doesn't get a real chance. Uh, and if they don't, you know, it's one of those things where if, if, if Colleton and Bowman quickly don't see someone as a part of the future, they're going to move on. Because this season, while they are in a playoff hunt, is not about this season still. They're still thinking about the big picture. And if it's just a guy who's in the way for this year, they're not going to play him. And that's to their credit. Like they've been, that's, that's something you wanted to see from them this year was a commitment to players that are here for the long term and not to just throw in veterans for the sake of playing them. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting what Vinny can do. I mean, you know, let's 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 step back here and look at the Blackhawks as a whole. I mean, they're coming off that 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 game against Nashville. I, I, my, one of my favorite things to do, I, I slack this to you that night, was to is to after the Blackhawks lose a game, especially like a weird game like that where they play really well for the most part and lose. I love just searching Blackhawks on Twitter. And you have people, I saw someone say this was the worst effort slash game they've played since the early 2000s. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) they got goalied. They got goalied, man. It happens. They've done it to other teams this year. They've they've won a couple of games they've had no business winning. And, you know, Nashville won that game because they got goalied. You see Saros did the job. It's funny because the analytics say that that was the best best Blackhawks game of all season, like, by far, you know? Like, it was just, yeah, I... uh, I, it's hockey sometimes hard, right? Like, I mean, obviously, it, it looked a little bit better than on the ice than 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 that person made it out to be. But it, sometimes it can it, it can be deceiving, you know, like a three nothing game. Like if you're just, I, I yeah, I, yeah, just it, sometimes those games can be strange. But yeah, I thought the Blackhawks were pretty dominant. I, I found it surprising that that you know it, this year is going to be about Ian Mitchell and Bodan and um and, and why Kalnick may be the the guy. Oh, he's the guy certainly right now. Um, and I'm hoping to write this. Uh, you know, write more about this tomorrow, but, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, he's put himself in the position to be that sixth defenseman right now. And, you know, I thought that was his best game in Nashville. And, um, you know, I'm gonna go, look, you know, go look through some of the shifts and kind of point out what he's doing well, but it's, um, he's sort of emerged right now where Mitchell, you know, he had a pretty firm 
hold on that, and they were trying, you know, they'd bring up Bodan and Kalanick and other guys that had gotten looks, but um, now that everyone's healthy and, you know, like they, like, and, and Kalanick's, you know, gotten the last, I think, three games now, it's, uh, um, he's been pretty good with Dahan, so that that's interesting too, where it's, it's now Mitchell and everyone else has to wait their turn, but um, I, I didn't expect that where I thought, I thought Mitchell was going to, you know, I thought he was NHL ready, and I, I think for a stretch he, there he was, but it, it kind of just shows how grueling the NHL season can be, and it's and it's often about, you know, I think a lot of guys can play in the NHL, uh, you give them, a you know, a handful of games or whatever, it's just, it's the consistency that makes the, you know, the really good players what they are, and, um, you know, Mitchell, you know, will, will probably, you know, still has a good chance of getting there, I know he's putting a lot of work right now uh, in practices and, you know, in the taxi squad, but, um, it's, um, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of the storylines too. Now I know Kalnick signed with the Blackhawks, even despite the, uh, the depth they had and all the young, young defensemen he had, and he thought he had an opportunity and, and here he is, you know, late in the season, he's, uh, he's, impl- you know, implanted himself into, uh, into this lineup. Yeah, I mean, you know, we always talk about the rookie wall with rookies every year. I think in this year, it's more pronounced than ever. I mean, yeah, it's a shorter season, but it's so compressed. I mean, Ian Mitchell played 36 games at the University of Denver last year. That's over, you know, what, five, six months. He played 32 games in, you know, less than three months uh, in at the NHL level. Uh, it's just a totally different animal. And I, I think I think the guy that we saw early in the season who looked like he could be an NHLer, I think that's the real Ian Mitchell, not the one who was fading these last few weeks. And I think the Blackhawks still believe that. Uh, I think he just hit that wall. This is this is a season unlike he's ever faced. He's never had to play this frequently. He's never had to play these kind of minutes, these grueling minutes against NHL caliber talent, where he's not the best player on the ice, uh, and it takes its toll. And I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat it too much if you're a Blackhawks fan. I think he'll be fine in the long run. But yeah, Kalanuck is you know fresh because he hasn't played a lot this year. He's a spectacularly good skater which is what the Blackhawks need. They need to someone who can take the puck out of the defensive zone, and that's something that he can do. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you run with him for a while, and then you hope that by the end of the season, the last couple of weeks where you're really in that stretch run, maybe Ian Mitchell has uh, mentally reset, he's recalibrated his game, and he's ready to go because maybe by then Kalanuck is hitting a wall because this is a season that these young guys have never faced before, a grind they've never dealt with before. So, you know, you have to be prepared for the guys to be shuffling in and out of this lineup, especially on defense because... You know, it's a grueling position in a grueling league in the most grueling season anyone's ever seen. Yeah. Um, sw- switching gears a little bit, uh, what, what's going on in Vancouver is obviously scary, and, and it had to be the greatest fear for the NHL this season, knowing that there's this risk of uh, an outbreak, uh, you know, within a team, and, and not just an outbreak, but obviously it's it's people are, are getting sick, and it's... Um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of us have been able to kind of like, oh, everything's fine. It's, you know, like people are getting, uh, infected here and there and, and testing positive. But then when you have something like this, it, it kind of brings, um, you know, as much as some of us are getting vaccinations and things are moving positively, it's still out there and it can still, uh, it can still affect people. And, and certainly now you have it affecting, uh, the league and, and what they're hoping to do this season. And, and it, 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 I'm curious just kind of how this is going to play out. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's going to put the NHL and have some difficult questions here to going forward. How, um, yeah, where things play out from here on out. Yeah. I mean, I think there was this kind of like, you know, assumption from most fans that, oh, these are, 
you know, young men in the prime of their lives, they're, even if they get infected, it's not that big a deal. They'll have some mild symptoms. They'll be fine. You know, it was kind of weird when, you know, Adam Boquist was talking about how he still doesn't have a sense of smell. Ha ha ha. Let's laugh about that on Twitter, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But this is something different. I mean, you have reports of guys, you know, in their homes getting IV treatment. You know, uh, uh, I think it was Sutter's dad was talking about how he's, you know, he doesn't look good. He's, he's really sick, like major flu-like symptoms. Um, this is the variant. This is that P1 variant. And we don't know how the vaccine works against that. We don't know uh, the long-term effect. We don't know the long-term effects of any of these, uh, uh, even the original, you know, the, the, the first version of COVID-19. Uh, these are real concerns, and these are real people, human beings, that can be affected by this. And that this variant apparently affects younger people uh, more harshly, in it. and that's a, it's a major concern. I mean, you know, we've all, we all had our concerns before the season. Should they be doing this? Should they even be playing? And then the season starts, and we kind of, like, just get into it, and yay, hockey's back, and... All along, and you wonder if this season's going to be worth it. They're not making any money. I mean, it's 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 basically just to satisfy TV uh, uh, deals and things like that. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams are losing money by playing, and now you have the very real health effects that are affecting real people in the league, and not just players, but staff and coaches, people that you know don't necessarily make six million dollars a year to play this game. Uh, it's a real concern, and you know, you know, beyond the human concern, you know, what does the league do about it? Vancouver. Are they going to be able to play all 56 games? Are you going to have to decide the North Division standings based on points percentage? Do you reschedule their games so they're, you know, not playing meaningless games against Ottawa at the end of the season, but playing, you know, other contenders to make sure everybody gets to 56 games? Uh, It's a logistical nightmare beyond the nightmare of having an entire team sick at the same time. And you worry about just even overloading players with games and stuff like too, you know, coming off off of this and... I wonder if they just have to go by points percentage. I know that probably isn't fair to some teams, but that um, I, I think at some point the schedule is going to be a hurdle in itself, and um, you know, and then and then these players coming back from this, and yeah, they're, they're, I think there's there's a, there's so many different variables to this, but just getting those players healthy and making sure um, you know that there isn't more of an outbreak, and um, and I'm sure that you know when when something like even when Brandon Hagel <clears throat> tests positive and it's a false positive, like it just there's got to be such a concern within the team that it's going to happen. And the Blackhawks have been pretty fortunate here to only have a handful of players, and none of them seem to have that many. Uh, serious symptoms but it just yeah i don't know just for me it just kind of brings back to reality where you i i think you you get so used to asking like i've asked a lot of blackhawks prospects and <clears throat> you'd be surprised how many have had it and you know some haven't had you know had their smell coming back or, or you know and um but they're there and you know the symptoms uh, haven't been serious but it, it's obviously people are dying from this and people um are getting you know really sick so i i don't know i just it feels like it brings that the light and uh just brings the light that we, you know as much as we're moving forward you know and uh, it's still uh yeah it just it's it's still out there you know like it's um let's let's hold off from trying to get back to normalcy too much and then you have like you know dallas on sunday night where rick bonus is removed from the game for a positive yeah. uh, test that you know they seem pretty sure as of this taping that it's a false uh, false positive because he's been vaccinated but we also know that vaccination is not 100%. I mean, it's good. And if everyone gets it, then we're going to be okay. But it's not, you know, foolproof. It's not 100%. Nothing's 100%. Um, so, you, you know, Dallas, had they, they went through the whole process early in the season where they had, uh, they missed a bunch of games because they had a ton of players uh, test positive. And, you know, Jim Nill, their GM, was talking last night about, you know, everyone on staff's been vaccinated, the players have been vaccinated, and the ones who haven't been vaccinated, they got COVID. And I know, you know, I, I tweeted yesterday about, you know, well, you should still get vaccinated even if you've had it, but they're kind of right in that 90-day window right now where, you know, you know, you know you're know you supposed to be 
uh, uh, relatively safe for 90 days after you've been tested positive, but we don't really know that. Everything is, you know, we don't, we know so little about the disease and, and its short yeah. and long-term effects when you're safe, when you're not, what's safe to do, what's not safe to do that, you know, it, it kind of just keeps reminding you that, man, they're fucking playing hockey through this. Can you believe they're actually even having this season? Of all sports, hockey, the one where you breathe and sweat and spit and yell all over each other in close range, uh, it, it makes you wonder if we're doing the right thing here. Yeah, I, I think for any sport, I mean, it's, you know, players being in a locker room and stuff, like, it's almost on the ice. There isn't as much fear as it's what's happening with behind the closed doors and people's being people being in the same areas and you know, certainly all these conversations we've had before. Um let, let's turn to something a little bit lighter. Um, um, Max Shalunov, who I wrote about today. and um, Yes! Um, I, I want the artist. Like, like, like the Max Shalunov thing, it predates my time at The Athletic. It even predates The Athletic as a whole. I mean, this goes back to your ESPN days, doesn't it? Uh, I don't. I, I think it happened here, actually. I, <clears throat> I remember tweeting about Shalunov, like seeing him at training camp, and he looked pretty good. And then, it, you know who's you know who's actually responsible for a lot of this is Brian Hedger, who's responsible for a lot of a lot of things, uh, a lot he, of horrible things. He had heard that <laughs> you know I he you know someone had mentioned to him that how Shalunov was still the Blackhawks still had their rights, and I mean this was uh, you know five six years ago when I re- didn't have probably as much of a handle on some of the. Uh, just understanding of things as as I do now, and, and you know, um, especially the transfer agreements and all those things, and and because the Blackhawks kept uh, kept Shalunov on their um, on on their list, uh, a list of players, you know, they could keep they could keep his rights because there isn't a transfer agreement between Russia and North America, so they just had to uh, continue to list him and and um, list him in their system, and and they kept his rights, and you know, when he came here, he'd come here. During the 2013-14 season, as uh, he signed an AHL contract, and it, he played well, and uh, I think it was Toledo at that point in the ECHL, but he struggled in, in Rockford and uh, decided to go home, and, and it was probably you know it's probably the end of the story. Um, but he, he he turns out to be a pretty good player, and, and Hedger had heard that you know the Blackhawks still had his rights, so I looked into it, and um, I, I think the first time I wrote about it was in uh, maybe 2016. The Blackhawks have this guy's rights, and he's actually turned out to be a player, and then. Uh, his contract came up, and there was some talk about the Blackhawks signing him, and it, um, they were more still in that win now mode, and uh, um, and you know they decided that he wasn't part of their future, and then he signed a long term contract in the KHL, and and here we are again. He's a he's an unrestricted free agent. He's 28 years old, but he's um, you know he's been arguably one of the best players in the KHL playoffs, and uh, he's he's had a pretty good season for one of the best KHL teams. So it's. Um, he doesn't really fit the Blackhawks' long-term vision as a younger player, but you know they're always looking for players in Europe, and if they're looking for maybe someone that can play a bottom six role, he, he plays center, he has size, and, and you know last time you and I had spoken to Stan Bowman, we asked about him, and, and Bowman said it's uh, you know possibly in the cards, so we'll we'll see. But um, for for me, it's more of just a fascination. Like this is like Shalunov could be a Blackhawks prospect until he's eighty years old. You know, like he the Blackhawks he, wouldn't he'd be the fourth oldest forward on the team right now if he signed <laughs> <laughs> like it just it's the idea of this that there's this player that you know was here and left and like you just and and then they continue to hold his rights forever like it's just it's i don't know it's, it's a strange system especially with the the russian players sometimes with the nhl rights and um you know he turns out to be a decent player and then there's been this bit of drama and um you know early on for the athletic it was it was something that other people weren't writing about so it was interesting for me now it's just it's 
um, yeah, I kind of just want to see this through. Like, does he come over? And <laughs> you know, I've I've met Chalunov a couple times in person. One time in um, I think it was St. Petersburg uh, for the uh, the Worlds, and then uh, I met him uh, just by chance when I was in uh, Slovakia going to see Hosa for a story that he was playing in in Bratislava. So I had stopped and saw him there too. So um, you know, yeah, I don't know. Just it's been kind of an interesting story, and I I feel like this is the end. Like it's either he signs or it's probably the We've said that before. I, I know, but this feels, you know, like he's 28 years old. He's It's the first <laughs> time that he's a free agent in three years. And so, like, it's uh, – if the Blackhawks do it now, like, it it, it makes sense probably more than now than it did before. And, um, and for him, it's probably, you know, like, if you don't get the NHL deal – you either want to find a way out of Chicago's rights or you just probably want to sign a long-term deal in the KHL and wind up your career. So um, this does, you know, for, it, for it, me, it, really, it feels a little bit like a end of the road. So You, you I, I think you have broken more news probably on the beat than anyone else, uh, myself included. I know you had the Panarin trade. Uh, you've had some big ones. But if you don't get the Shalunov signs <laughs> breaking news, I'm sorry, but your whole career is a failure. Everything you've ever done has led up to nothing if you don't get that scoop. <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes the comment sections in these Shalunov stories are more interesting than the actual story. I, I love how many people are in on the joke now, too. Like, everyone gets, like, like when, like when you, whenever, you know, someone tweets, like, that picture that John Greenberg always tweets with Tavo. Like, that's funny to, like, five people. But Shalunov, <laughs> we're talking thousands of people are in on the joke now. That's what's so great about it. <sighs> and, and that's sometimes <laughs> the hard part of writing about it is, like, like there's actually like when I wrote it today, like it was there was like a reality of why he makes sense, but I don't think anyone believes oh, yeah. it anymore. But, <laughs> You're the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's gone too far. So um, Shalunov is wolf in Russian, I think. <laughs> if, if anything, uh, if if this doesn't work out, I'm just gonna go and cover the KHL next season, and I'll yes. be the the, uh, the foreign correspondent. So from what I understand, there is no COVID nineteen in Russia, so you can go in the locker room at least. <laughs> I gotta work on my Russian. Uh, yeah, you uh, you picked up a language this uh, this last couple of years, didn't you? Spanish. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, uh, been on Duolingo. I think I'm like 430 straight days. That's basically what I spent the pandemic doing is learning Spanish, which is the least useful language to learn as a hockey writer. By the way, you know, I, I actually I think it was about two or three years. Maybe it was when Panarin was with the team. I actually looked into learning Russian, and I had talked to a private. Uh, private tutor and they basically told me i wasn't going to be able to devote enough time to learning it so they <laughs> it's it's tough when it's a whole new i remember going to sochi for the olympics in 2014 and it's like when you left the olympic village it went into like a sochi proper because the olympics were really an adler and you know you get off the train and you look around and like like if you're in italy you could figure out what the words mean for the most part you know there's a lot of cognates they sound the same it's you know those romantic languages or romance languages whatever they're called they're they all kind of have a similar theme to them but holy shit, when there's a different alphabet, I mean, it's like you've never read in your life before. And it's really intimidating language when you have to start literally from the alphabet. <laughs> yes. Um, also, they all got traded, so you would have <laughs> looked pretty foolish. <laughs> I mean, again, it'll just be like me and Zidoroff talking in the corner or something. <laughs> uh, although they got Alti Barmarkian and. Uh, uh, Nailamov for now, and uh, and Nailamov maybe gives Shalunov some some hope. You know the fact that he's over here, although he's not on an NHL contract. But uh, you you've written a high number of Nailamov stories too. 
I, I, I have. Yeah, I, he's he, he's another one who who just like he he like actually became really good in the KHL. I don't think the Blackhawks were expecting that. So I mean, it's it's led them to. He actually he, he had a rough first game with Rockford, where it's I think he gave two goals within like the first minute and a half or something in his one game so far. So we'll see if he gets another look. But um, we do have uh, I think we have some emails and voicemails today, right? Yeah, we got one voicemail. The, some of them were in time very good. We need some more over the weekend, but we got one uh, voicemail. Let's head to it. I was wondering what you thought of the changes to the NHL draft lottery. I can't understand why they would make any changes because they adopted a system of a lottery so that teams wouldn't tank and it was working because math and when you've adopted a system like that you know that there are going to be you know anomalies Um, that's part of a lottery so the idea that they're making changes because teams that finished higher in the standings won is kind of ridiculous but I think it's taught us two things Uh, one the change that you know, only two teams can win the lottery and that you can't move up more than 10 spots, I think is going to encourage teams that are on the cusp to tank. And the other thing I think it encourages uh, is for GMs to complain um, and to to ask for the rules to be changed again. So uh, if you could let me know, you know, what you think about that, I, I to me, it's ridiculous. Um, and then also, uh, Laz, you haven't tried, clearly you haven't tried the, the bagels at New York Bagel and Bialy in Lincolnwood and Skokie, um, because they are, uh, it's not, not only like an awesome Jewish deli, but it's um, got, you know, the best bagels in the Chicagoland area. So I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> I was actually at that place. I was at that place just re- like a couple of weeks ago. I stopped and got a bagel there. All right. First, I have been to the one in Skokie. First of all, I live in Northwest Indiana. Skokie's very far away from me. It's not like I can just swing over there and get a dozen bagels. Um, they, they, I will agree with you. They are the best bagels I've had in the Chicagoland area. But the important words there are in the Chicagoland area. They are good bagels. They are not New York bagels. They are as close as you're going to get out here, and that's great. And I recommend going, support their business. But, you know, I can name a thousand bagel shops in, in New York that are better. Anyway. There's a New York bagel place for me that's actually around the corner. It's uh, it's called like New York Bagel. I'll have to bring you a bagel from there and just see what you think. Um, but it's actually like right around the corner from my house. Like it's on Clark and it's almost like Clark and Belmont. Is that by Lincoln Park? Is that by like actual Lincoln Park? Because there's a bagel uh, no, shop like, like, like a half a mile west. It's close to like Wrigleyville. Um, it's okay. on. It's like it's like a half a mile from Wrigley. Yeah, I mean there are New Yorkers in Chicago, and there's you can get a decent slice of pizza, and you can get a bagel. They're harder to find, and they're not quite the same, but they're good. I recommend them absolutely, hundred <laughs> um, percent. As for the draft lottery, I mean I. Like, yeah, they're fixing what's not really broken here because the Oilers won like 17 times in a row and now the Rangers uh, won the lottery, you know, basically twice. And I get it. I hate the draft lottery in principle, really. I, I, I'm i one of the proponents of the gold plan. I don't know how many people are familiar with the gold plan. It gets bandied about from every now and then. It involves once your team is eliminated from playoff contention, you start accruing standings points. And whoever has the most standing standings points after being eliminated gets the first pick. So it encourages teams to still be try try to win late. Like it still rewards you for losing because you get to start accruing points earlier than other teams. But it also encourages teams to try to win, which creates competitive fairness. If you're you know if, if a team has a backloaded schedule against a crappy team that's tanking, uh, it makes that that's actually trying to get a playoff spot. I love the gold plan. It'll never happen. Never in a million years. But it's by far the most creative, most compelling, and most competitive solution out there. Everything else is just, I don't fucking care. Just, if, if they tank, they tank. 
They win the lottery. They win the lottery. It's it's going to be bad no matter what. People will find things to complain about no matter what. Uh, this is we have an email from Drew Weller. Just watch the power play give up a breakaway and the resultant uh, penalty shot score to go down 0 to 2. Uh, 0 2, the power play makes me want to puke. It's a total disadvantage between terrible <laughs> entries and not winning faceoffs to keep possession. What can they do to fix it? And which coach on the staff is re- responsible for this mess and should be canned? Um, they were actually working today on the, uh, the entries. I was, uh, uh, you know, th- th- it's been a while since they've mixed it up where they were dropping the puck back and trying to, you know, build up speed between Kane and Debrinket. And, and today they were going straight forward with bringing everyone at once. And, um, you know, just uh, having a quicker entry and having more options off their initial rush. So I, I think they know that it's broken and it, uh, it needs fixing. Uh, yeah, last game was bad. I mean, Drinkin had a couple awful turnovers, and then there was, uh, yeah, the drop pass just uh, uh, led to the breakaway. And um, yeah, drop and fa- pass. Every time they dropped, every time they do a drop pass, Twitter breaks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the face off, yeah, the face offs aren't helping either. So, like, you just, uh, that's where they miss Taves so much. It's just it's they uh, they don't have anyone that consistently wins faceoffs. I mean, Camp's been Camp's been better, but he's his numbers have dropped, and he, you know he's not someone that you want to play in a top six role often. So it, it's hard to put him in off, offensive situations. So um, I I don't who's in. I know they share responsibility a lot in the part on on. They do. It's a much more collaborative effort than it used to be. It's not like one guy runs it. You can't. Blame Jamie Compton or someone like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, you look at the Blackhawks power play, and it's the weirdest thing because they are still the fourth ranked power play in the league. They're scoring at the same rate, basically, as the Tampa Bay Lightning. But they look awful doing it. Even when they score, it's with like seven seconds left in the power play on a weird, fluky play after like a minute and a half of chasing the puck back into their own zone. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, it's hard to complain about the fourth ranked power play, but you should complain about it. It's bad. They can't enter the zone. They can't maintain the zone. They never get more than one shot before they have to go chase the puck again. And, you know, I know we talked a lot about faceoffs and that they don't matter that much. They matter on special teams. That's where they matter. That's really the only time it matters. And the Blackhawks are 30th in the league at faceoff percentage in the power play. They've only, they're only winning 46%. Now, 46%, 46% versus 54%. You're talking a faceoff or two a game, tops. But it seems like they're always happening at the key moments. They, they never get the big one on the PK. They never get the big one on the power play. Uh, it, it feels worse than the numbers suggest. Uh, I, I don't know how you fix it. They don't have the all-world talent they used to have. We used to complain, like, how come they can't make it work? But they just... It seems to me they've stopped moving. They don't move their feet. They're not They're not cycling the way they did earlier in the year, even when they were uh, kind of still disjointed. There's just no movement. They're all standing around waiting for something to magically appear. Here, Patrick Kane, go do something. And Kane's playing two minutes almost every power play. Maybe that's not the best course of action. Maybe he should sit some of it and get some fresher legs out there. I don't know. Try something different because what you're doing now isn't working. There's so much skill out there still that, like, I, now that Strom's back on there, and, and certainly someone's not getting back up to speed, but I, I feel like Strom's coming off some really good games, and they got to find a way to get the puck deep, and you know, whether it's playing it be below the goal line or something, just some, mixing something up and giving giving Strom the puck down there and trying to play him off of. Um, you know, he's such a great distributor and finding ways to play it, just not off of Boquist and Kane off the top there. I think there's. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think they realized lately it's been bad. And, you know, you saw them, there's obviously some time spent on it today and then working on the entry. So I think they realized that it's, it's not in a good spot. Uh, this question is from Kevin Lankart. Uh, in regards to several players having no movement clauses or no trade clause, what is the process for a GM to approach the player or the player's agent to gauge their interest in a possible trade? Has Stan Bowman ever done this? Or are you aware of anyone from the Blackhawks approaching any players in the past to inquire about a trade? What are the pros and cons of approaching a player on this topic from an organizational standpoint? Has any NHL player ever been traded with a no movement clause? Well, first of all, yes, lots of players have been traded with with at least partial no movement. You know where you put a list on, and uh, there have been times where people were willing to waive that. I think, but um, this came up about I think it was two years ago. Um, I remember one of the national guys. I can't remember if it was Pierre or if it was Elliot Friedman uh, reported that Duncan Keith had been approached by the Blackhawks. Um, about waiving his no movement clause. It wasn't like they wanted to trade him, but they were doing kind of, the Blackhawks were awful. It looked like they were going to be awful for a while. And it was almost like they were doing him the courtesy of, do you want to be here? If you don't want to be here, let us know and we will find a spot for you. Um, apparently it never happened. It was, I think it was, it was going to happen. They were going to have that conversation. I remember talking to Keith, I think it was in Buffalo. Uh, and he said he hasn't been approached. He has no interest in leaving. Happened again the next year. I remember I was in uh, Calgary. They were practicing at the old Olympic, the uh, 1988 Olympic facility. And uh, I, I was talking to Keith for a while uh, by myself in there. And he said, you know, I don't want to be traded. I want it, but I want to win. I want, I want, I want to win another Stanley Cup, and I want it to be in Chicago. But I don't want to be here for some, some you know, bullshit rebuild. So it, it's the, the 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 idea of it has certainly been broached within the Blackhawks front office. I don't think they've actually ever act- taken that step where they've had the conversation um, because I think it's been made clear from the player. You know, Kane doesn't want to go anywhere. Taves doesn't want to go anywhere. And Keith doesn't really want to go anywhere. Uh, he seems to believe in what they're doing here this year, so I don't think it's going to come up this year. Seabrook was going to be the interesting one, especially with the Seattle expansion draft. That was an opportunity to approach someone about their NMC, and uh, it obviously never happened because he never came back to play. I think it's done so many layers off it where it's not the team. They they make sure that it's not like the the team is directly addressing this. Like they don't want the players to have to answer. Like it, it, Keith or I forget it was a Keith or Seabrook. I, they both have been asked about it before, and even when there's been reports about it, and and, and I don't think the reports are necessarily wrong. I just think it's how it's how how teams go about this. Like it's very much like on background, you know. Like we want to talk to you about this, but we don't really want to talk to you about this. So, um, you know, like if there's any chance, to, or, or it's not like the specific questions, like oh, you know, if there's ever a chance to move you, would you would you want that? You know, um, so I, I think a lot of that's done in that. You know, the Blackhawks had to ask Hosa when they traded his contract because even you know even despite his situation, oh, right, right. he had to drop his no movement clause to get traded to Arizona. And initially, I don't think he was happy about it from what I've heard. Like it was like he had. To be convinced that this was what was best because I think he he had it in his heart set that he was going to you know to retire as a Blackhawk. Um, so I think they had to basically kind of talk him into it, and you know this is you know this would help the Blackhawks if you did this, and he, and he obviously have eventually agreed. Um, yeah, I, I guess yeah. Out, out of the current group, I, you know, I, I don't foresee that happening, but it, um, you know, I, I think it does often happen, and sometimes you know, even with modified no moving clauses, you know, like they may they may approach someone that that's not on the team's list and say, you know, we have this interest from this team. Would you would you mind going there? And so I, I think those type of things happen often. Um, if you, you want to, you, you just said. You- I was going to say, you just said modified, and first there was like a pause there, and I thought you were talking about Oli Mata. I'm like, he did not have a no-movement clause. 
if you want to email us or leave us a voicemail, you can email us at liasempowers at gmail.com, or you can call us at 714-759-4529. Again, that's 714-759-4529. And we'll, uh, we'll try to tweet that out during the weekends, too, maybe. Usually, uh, more, more often than that, we record on Mondays now, so we'll maybe try to get that out so people can remember over the weekend and leave us messages. Um... I don't know, you got anything else for us today? Another big week coming up, two games against Dallas, and Dallas is in a little bit of disarray. Uh, Dallas is the, the hardest team in the division to figure this year, where they're great, and then they're awful, and then they're great, and then they're awful. Uh, we'll see if they're great or awful this week, because the Blackhawks need some wins. You know, I was looking at the strength of schedules going down the stretch here, and uh, it, it's pretty even. You know, Nashville, Nashville's got a little bit harder, but they got four against uh, Carolina. The Hawks have three against Carolina, but one against Tampa. Uh, the thing that would concern you is Dallas has four against Detroit. So the Blackhawks really need to get some separation this week. So uh, these games, if, if you're still thinking about the playoffs, these games matter. Yep. No, it's, uh, yeah, how many, what do we got? 17 games? What is it? Like? 17 games. That's wow. it. About barely a month. Yeah. Uh, no, it should be interesting. Um, yeah, well, we will, uh, yeah, maybe I'll see you at the rink this week. See you without your, your hair and, uh, we'll be back, uh, <laughs> we'll be back on the podcast, uh, next week. So for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers and this is Laz and Powers. I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?